Human connection is central to the heart of growth for individuals, for teams, and for organizations. You know, we might all be more connected than we ever have been before through email and social media, Slack, Zoom, all the other digital channels. But are we really that much more connected at a deeper human level? And what opportunities might be available for financial brands to facilitate human connection, especially in a world full of exponential change that can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming? Let's find out today on today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Greetings and hello, I'm James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Heart of Growth series brought to you by Nimbus, and I'm excited to welcome Michelle Prohaska to the show. Michelle is the Chief Risk Officer and Compliance Officer at Nimbus, where she and her team are transforming the narrative around risk and compliance through collaboration. Collaboration with financial brands by simply caring to put people at the center of their thinking and doing, which in fact can lead to new innovative breakthroughs. And in our conversation today, Michelle and I are gonna explore how you can help others on your team navigate the complexities of exponential change when change feels overwhelming, change feels tiring, change feels exhausting, (laughs) especially when we think about all the changes that we've experienced since early 2020. We're also going to explore how to transform compliance from being viewed as a cost center into an innovative driver of future growth by caring deeply about protecting your account holders, protecting your members from risk, from bad actors in the age of AI. But first, I'd like to invite you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching this podcast on YouTube or if you're tuned in to listening on one of the many podcast players this podcast streams on throughout the world. Because when you hit that subscribe button, you instantly become part of an ever-growing community of financial brand leaders who are committed to learning how to be even better by maximizing the future growth of account holders, by guiding them beyond their stress towards an even bigger, better, and brighter future. Now, let's dive into the heart of growth. Welcome to the show, Michelle. It is good to share time with you today. It's great to talk with you, James. Absolutely. Before we get into talking about some of these new opportunities for financial brands to transform the narrative around risk, and compliance by putting people at the center of their thinking and doing, which can lead to new innovative breakthroughs. What's good in your world right now, personally or professionally, it is your pick to get started. All right. Uh, Personally, I would say what's good in my world. I have a five-year-old son. He's just heading into kindergarten here in a few short weeks. Um, And so we're in a really exciting time of life, just that change up to heading into kindergarten, beginning school, uh, taking on you know new new projects and new initiatives. We went out and picked out a backpack and all the school supplies, which has always been my favorite part as a kid. Um, and so we're really starting to just get into the the start of a new school year, which is I think always a fun time to to learn new things for both of us and as a family. Um, really a growth opportunity for us too. You know, when you're talking about going back to school, particularly starting kindergarten, mm-hmm. I know how scary that can feel sometimes, how risky that can Mm -hmm. feel sometimes. And when I think about the word risk and I think about the word compliance, financial brand leaders, that evokes an emotion based upon their experience (laughs) with risk and compliance. Uh, What's a Mm -hmm. common misconception around these words, risk and compliance, that you'd like to provide perhaps a different perspective on to get started here? 
Yeah, I, th- I think one of the most common perceptions that we hear about risk and compliance is, is kind of as a gatekeeper, uh, the place where good ideas go to die or where you go to hear no sometimes. Um, you know, all of those can really be summed up as, as kind of the impression that I think sometimes uh, we have within the industry and even those within our, our institutions or our organizations um, sometimes believe that risk and compliance are the functions that you maybe want to go to least. They feel like the ones where you really want to save up to go talk to them until you're either really, really sure about an idea or you're ready to put up a fight. Why is that? Because the way that I think you frame this is is beautifully stated. It's where mm-hmm. good, historically, it's where good ideas mm-hmm. go to die. Why, why does compliance historically have a perspective such as this? Yeah, I think historically compliance has, compliance and risk together kind of have this presumption of where good ideas go to die because I think uh, traditionally for, for many organizations, risk and compliance has been that kind of conservative, that gatekeeper, the institution or the organization that was really meant to help provide the guardrails and ensure that compliance and that fact checking and that things are happening as they need to happen. And I think they've also traditionally been thought of as a cost center. And so these were not the functions where you were going to go and get an innovative idea or partner to drive something forward that was brand new and different and really separate from what you've always done. And so I think that that assumption historically has been that these are the organizations whose job is to kind of help box in uh, really where things can go and should go and what good looks like. And that definition has traditionally always been thought of as very counter to your sales organizations or your digital innovation organizations, um, when it doesn't always have to be. It's interesting when you think about the internal conflict between teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, marketing and compliance, there might be a mm-hmm. little bit of conflict there, <laughs> but I, I, I heard you say something that I could see there's a common language, uh, a, a common mm-hmm. way to a line around a particular pain point where you share compliance is often viewed as a cost center. I think a lot of marketing teams feel the same way. They are viewed as a cost center, but in reality, there's so much potential to transform this this old world perspective into one full of collaboration that leads to innovation simply by just caring about people. And with that in mind, why do you do what you do? Why are you so committed to mm-hmm. caring about transforming this perspective of risk and compliance from, say, one that is framed a bit more negatively into one mm-hmm. that is more positive? You know, I, I've always been passionate about kind of taking that underdog function or that underdog, what feels like the underdog and making it something different and believing that it can be better than what it's initially perceived as. And so uh, for me, you know, I think when we look at the risk and compliance functions, I really look at these functions as with the ability to be a strategic differentiator in your business. I think traditionally these are the areas that have to fight for their budgets, fight for resources. They're similar to marketing, fighting for that next dollar or where where things are going to go in the divvied up pie. And in a lot of cases, they have traditionally ended up with less. And I think when we look at these functions and we look at the regulatory environment that we're in, things are different, things are changing. And I really think that when we look at risk and compliance with a perspective of tell me more, instead of how do we get to know, we get to completely different responses and we can really create teams that can create a difference in the future of the innovation, the future of our organizations. I wanna roll this back. You just shared something, mm-hmm. tell me more, tell me more instead mm-hmm. of instead of just an immediate no. 
Can you go yep. deeper into that? Because that's a very practical takeaway that someone who is watching or listening to this conversation can apply within their own organization to tell me more. Yeah. So within our organization at Nimbus today, one of the things that my team is, is well known for is this, that's interesting, tell me more. And the idea for that really came around when we began our work at Nimbus and kind of building out our team. And we looked at how that traditional risk and compliance function was seen as that where good ideas go to die. We knew we wanted to change that. And what that meant for us was building out our own internal culture, mission, and values. And that belief was centered around we wanted the other teams within our organization and externally with our clients, with other, with other prospects, to be an area where they wanted to learn more and where we were seen as a trusted partner in the process. We wanted our operations teams and our sales teams to want to reach out to us and ask questions. Mm. And so that's really where the that's interesting. Tell me more concept came from, which is where if you ask many of our teams across Nimbus today, very rarely will you ever get a straight no from us. Generally, what we'll say is we'll say, hey, I'd love to hear more about the idea. What are you trying to accomplish? What are what are the measures of success for you and what we're trying to pursue? Because what it may mean is that we may not you know, approve the objective or work together to collaborate on something that looks exactly like what you first brought to us. But in almost every case, there are options and ways to get to yes. And so that's interesting. Tell me more is really how we kind of open up the playing field for how we can get to a yes successfully, safely and soundly in the risk and compliance space. It, it seems like there's an opportunity for compliance to almost take the mind of a curious kindergartner. Um, mm -hmm. and, and if I think about like Socratic wisdom, it means that I know nothing. I know the only thing that I do yeah. know is I know that I know nothing. Um, mm -hmm. So being a curious kindergartner, always being open to learning and, and gaining perspective from, from others, Something too that I want to come down back around on is this idea of of maintaining and and really keeping a positive perspective. Uh, because mm -hmm. once again, the the work that you do, you're doing, the the work that your team is doing, um, it it deals with many negative consequences or the potential mm -hmm. for many negative consequences caused by bad actors, uh, particularly mm -hmm. in this day and age of AI. What role do you feel that mindset plays into the work that you're doing, your team is doing? And, and then also for someone listening, how can they establish, maintain, maybe even expand this idea of a growth mindset, this positive perspective to be the light to their team whenever there might be some darkness? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, on when we look at the AI side of things and that power of mindset, you know, risk and compliance is undergoing a lot of changes, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of heightened this perception of risk. And for most people, naturally, kind of the reaction to risk is to avoid it. The reality is that if we also want to innovate and we want to create growth, we can't just avoid all risk. If we want to avoid all risk, that's really kind of the easiest way to, hey, over time, we'll shut our doors. And so what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to manage risk. And so how we do that is, is by having conversations openly and honestly about what are the key problems or the key risks that are coming to us. And then we work collaboratively with our teams to identify are these risks that, hey, potentially we can either accept because they're maybe not as high if we look at the impact of what they would result in. Can we mitigate them by reducing or taking certain actions together to mitigate those risks or lower the chances of that so that we can move forward with that option we're pursuing? Or is this really a scenario where we really have to avoid? But 
coming in and kind of assuming the best instead of the worst. And, and a big factor for us is assuming positive intent. At the end of the day, when we're pursuing these objectives as an organization with our clients, all of us are wanting to pursue those things because we believe that there's a good result at the end of the road. And so our job and the job of our partners across cross-functional teams is to work together to get there. And that's much easier to do when we go in with an open mind and a positive mindset. You know, I get the fact that sometimes in a world full of exponential change that can feel confusing and chaotic mm-hmm. and full of conflict. I get it. Sometimes we just want to like just close the door, just just disappear for just a little bit. I've been having uh, numerous conversations with financial brand leaders around the country following some of my keynote sessions, and they're sharing with me, sometimes publicly, sometimes in private, that they're just tired. They're they're feeling burned out from all of the change that, that they've experienced, that their teams have experienced since early 2020. For example, there was one credit union CEO, she shared with me that uh, this this period of time, and, and she's been in the industry for 30 plus years, this period in time right now feels to be either the most challenging or the second most challenging behind the 2008 financial services crisis. You know, and I asked her why. I said, well, she said this, there was the pandemic and then there was the lockdowns and, and now there's this economic uncertainty and there's this whole rise of AI. And, and I get it. Um, it. It does feel like this this season of change is unrelenting and then also associated. There's this unending perception of, of, of new risk uh, and even perhaps mm-hmm. even bigger risk than ever before. What would you say to a leader right now who might be experiencing and feeling this way in the in the present moment? I think the biggest thing for leaders who are feeling that way is honestly having the opportunity to create community, finding those communities that you have. One of the things that I found with risk and compliance professionals, fraud professionals included, is that there is a community of like-minded individuals. We're all kind of going through the same thing who can empathize, but who also see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's something that we spend a lot of time doing. We participate in conferences. We get out and interact with other organizations we see what they're finding in terms of innovative new ways to reduce risk or to address problems that they're that they're facing. And I think just creating that sense of community where you can be authentic and open and a bit more transparent about, hey, this is the really this is the thing that's really dragging me down right now. How have you guys found to address it? That sense of community and that sense of connection and collaboration is has been crucial for us. And it's it's really been a game changer for us as we work with our clients as well. Community is key. I want to stay on this subject just a, a little bit longer because community, when you're bringing people together around the common cause mm-hmm. that is greater than the present moment, when you're caring about a cause greater than the present moment, how are you as a leader yourself mm-hmm. dealing with the complexities of, of exponential change driven by technology like AI, driven by mm-hmm. environmental changes like like COVID, driven by economic uncertainty and, and, and turmoil? What are you doing personally to calm Mm -hmm. this chaos within your own mind? Yeah, so one of the things that I do is um, first and foremost, that connection piece that I mentioned is one that's big for me. Um, I talk with a number of our existing clients today and we catch up on what they're seeing within their institution, how they're addressing it, um, where they have fears or concerns, but also where they see the positives. Where do we see growth opportunities and potential for real change, whether it's across their institution, the industry, Um, and kind of just the broader landscape. I think that's a big piece for us. 
The second piece is I'm a learner by nature. So a big part for me is is just reading diverse perspectives and having opportunities. I'm a huge HBR fan. So yes. I read a lot of their content um, in terms of just effective management. We manage differently today. We work together differently in a remote first environment. And so understanding where I can continue to grow and develop as a leader and then how I interact with my team and how that's different. Those have been really big pieces for me and, and just kind of working through this, this different environment. It's interesting. You note that you are a learner by nature. Um, Mm -hmm. We have done some recent industry studies where we have found that the average financial brand leader invest um, around, and this is about 78%. They invest either one to two hours or less per week to continuous learning. And then when we go out and we look at secondary market studies, we're seeing that the minimum time needed to invest in learning going forward into the future is five hours at a minimum. And wow. so I, I want to get your take on this. When you think about everything that you have learned and you, you learn mm-hmm. through reading, you can learn through experience. Think about all the exponential changes that we have experienced since early 2020. What has surprised you most reflecting back to today? I think in terms of what surprised me most, I think has just been the pace of change has been slower than maybe I would have anticipated. I think in terms of the regulatory scrutiny that we've had in many cases, things like overdraft or things like AI, we've known it's coming, but we still don't really have a good perception of how to deal with it or how to address it. We're kind of operating in an industry where sometimes the I think the our regulators don't quite know exactly how to address the change because it is so new. And so one of the things that I've seen with the leaders in the industry and those that I've talked to and gone to these conferences is that a lot of our conversation is around recognizing that we don't have all the answers and that it's okay to not have all the answers. I think that risk and compliance people in particular have sometimes the the weight of a little bit of burden where they feel like, I have to know the answer right away. I have to be able to respond to that in a board meeting or when my executive asks or when I get a question and recognizing that we're operating in an environment where things are really living in the gray. And to your point, it's more about sometimes having had the experience, being able to ask questions, get other perspectives. That's how we're learning today. And that is maybe very different than how we would have thought that the regulatory industry would look five or 10 years ago. Yes. You know, when you think about this idea of learning, you have on the one hand, you have confusion. On the other hand, (laughs) you have clarity. And back to your point, we're learning differently than how we would have learned before. You mentioned AI here. How are you Mm -hmm. perceiving AI transforming the risk and compliance game within financial brands? I think for AI within risk and compliance and and kind of the financial brand side of things, there's a ton of benefit and positive in terms of efficiency and scalability in our, um, in some cases, ability to remove the individual decision-making component that's traditionally operated within our financial institutions. As we're operating in a more and more digital world, we need the ability to have that scalability and that efficiency and that ability to grow and, and make decisions faster. On the flip side, I think for a lot of risk and compliance professionals, it feels a little scary because AI also feels like where we're now relying on that tool to make judgment-free decisions without any bias, but we haven't necessarily developed the great standards for how we're going to test for that to ensure that it doesn't happen. And so I think for a lot of risk and compliance professionals, AI feels like it's tough to quantify and and risk professionals more than anything like to quantify. So we want to be able to put things into a box, say, hey, this is high, moderate, or low risk. 
And AI is one of those things that's still developing just like everything else. And so it's a bit of a balance. It's, it's learning how to, again, get those additional perspectives, understand what models are used and how they're used, document really well. Um, and then, you know, really align your perspective to where is your organization going? What's their goals? And how do you find a way to meet in the middle to, to use AI? It's not going away. We're going to have to, you know, invest and use in some use cases, but finding a way to do that um, where we both feel like it allows for scale and growth, but also protects from that, that risk basis as well. When I think about AI, I think back to November 30th, 2022. That was the day mm -hmm. that AI reached the mass consciousness of humanity. It's almost a 1994 mm -hmm. moment all over again. Is, and it's really interesting if we think 94 to 2024, that's a 30 year horizon line. And we think about all of the transformations mm -hmm. that we've experienced at both macro levels and then how the macro impacts us on the micro within financial brands. You know, you think May 18th, 1995, that was the day that Wells Fargo launched the first online banking platform. And so here we are almost 30 years later, we're entering into an entirely new age. When, when you think about this and you think about things like chat GPT, what's your take on, on chat GPT and now even the, you know, looking ahead, generative AI, uh, where are we going in, in, in really general AI for that matter going forward into the future? Cause it's, once again, it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. I really think in terms of chat GPT, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, every time, if you think about it, anytime, look at your Wells Fargo use case, right? When Wells Fargo released online banking side of things, there was a ton of speculation about how are people really going to use this? Nobody envisioned what the online banking of 30 years later looked like. And the fact that we now have so many consumers really relying on that from not just one organization or one financial institution, but 40, you know, in terms of the average wallet size. And so I think when we look at, um, how chat GPT will change. It will absolutely change how we do things in the financial industry. And, you know, those who are on the front runner side of it and can figure out those, those use cases that make sense for them, whether it is in some of the, you know, policy and procedure drafting side of things, whether it's in the marketing communication side of things, how we um, do some of the work that we go to that, that today feels very tasky, manual and less efficient. Uh, I think chat GPT is, you know, in terms of the bounds of what it can do, I think are fairly limitless. And really for those who are in the risk and compliance industry, you know, educating ourselves, learning more about it as we can, trying it out, which again, for many feels feels out of the normal scope of bounds. Um, all of those things are important, I think, for us to really understand where these use cases will pop up, because I think they will. And it's just a matter of, you know, which ones begin to do so first. There's that word again, you brought learning back into this conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you think about learning <laughs> as the heart of growth, learning is about really caring for other people to provide them that clarity yeah. to help them transform confusion into clarity, to establish the courage to commit to move forward on their journey of growth, whatever that might be with confidence and confidence is, is key. I think about, uh, and I pull this quote up here, uh, Alvin Toffler, um, and he wrote this, I want to say it was back in the 1970s. He said, quote, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn, um, which mm -hmm. is really, really critical now going forward. And so what, what are the risks, if we're going to talk about learning here, practically speaking, when we're thinking about not just the present moment, but using the present mm -hmm. moment to then project forward into the future, what are the risks, the big risks? that financial brands should be thinking about right now? 
I think the biggest thing, you know, that, that we're focused on is that pace of change. And, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about a lot is particularly in the fraud side of the world. I think what we're seeing in the industry is that, you know, fraud technology has been tough to keep up. There's a lack of tools. There's sometimes a lack of transparency. And so for many people, there's not a ton of clarity in terms of where we're going next and, and how we build a strategic differentiation for the future. And to that point of that learning and the illiteracy of where we go, it's a lot of this is about not just taking the perspectives that we've had, but to your point, having that willingness to unlearn how things have always been so that we can create the space to learn something new. Because ChatGPT is unlike what we've had in the past, and it will absolutely challenge us to think differently, to operate differently, to react and respond differently. And as much as sometimes we think we drive the innovation of, of where our organization, our brand is going to go, a lot of times it, it's really our consumer who tells us, what their needs and what their wants are. And we have to be able to be willing to adapt if we want to continue to grow. And that comes back to caring for other people, caring for the account mm -hmm. holder, caring for the member, caring for other peoples in the communities that our financial brands are creating value for. With that in mind, and I think you know how you're transforming the narrative of compliance beyond a cost center into an innovative driver for future growth, What's the big opportunity here uh, that you see ahead, particularly as we continue to move forward into the age of AI? Is that an internal opportunity or is it maybe coming back to the outside, thinking about our account holders, thinking about just just people think, uh, in, in the communities mm -hmm. that we're serving? Where's your mind when you think about opportunity here? So my mind immediately goes to the internal with the belief that it absolutely has a waterfall effect on the impact to our consumers and our account holders. Uh, first and foremost, I think internally for risk and compliance teams, rethinking the mindset of, of how they exist today. So beginning with, does our risk and compliance team align to the strategic objectives of our organization? Do they understand them? Are they aligned in terms of the risk culture, how they think about risk, how they pursue risk? Because sometimes we've had that, again, that traditional mindset, or there's the perception that risk and compliance has the traditional mindset, uh, that ultimately the things that we do are have always been done the way they've been done. And so we're, we can be seen as resistant to change. And where I really think there's a huge opportunity is engaging those teams early, engaging them often, ensuring they're aligned with your objectives, giving them the opportunity to add perspective to projects early on instead of at the very end, as happens to many today. Because I think when that happens, we genuinely do create an opportunity to not digitize our inefficiencies or the ways we've always done it, but go back to, how would we do that if we wanted to do it in the best way possible? What would our onboarding experience look like? How would our fraud programs run? How would we handle customer service inquiries? And that has the ability to really change your customer experience at every single touch point. If we can revolutionize just a little bit of that team and that function and the belief of what those teams look like internally first. So what you're speaking to comes back to something I'm very passionate about, which is first principles, coming back to the first principles <laughs> thinking model, um, letting go of what we know and learning what we have learned back to your point. So as we start to wrap up, let's get real practical. Um, someone mm -hmm. who is watching, someone who is listening, what can they do to guide the internal teams, to guide others that they're working with beyond some of this complexity of perceived change um, and it is real but it I think it's it's once again it's it's how we process that uh, mm -hmm. to calm some of the chaos around us to just continue to put people and care about people 
at the center of our thinking and doings. Back to your point, because you said starting internally, and I'm a big believer mm-hmm. that for for any type of exponential growth to become a reality, um, whether that be personal growth or professional growth, that growth must begin within. It starts with with me, the individual, then the team, because teams are made up of individuals, and then the organization, because organizations are made up of mm-hmm. teams. And then that just, back to your point, you mentioned before, a waterfall effect. Well, that just flows over into the account holders and the members that we're serving as a financial brand. And from there, it flows over into the communities. So it all comes back to the individual. What can someone do as an individual to calm some of the chaos and complexity that they might be feeling and perceiving right now in the present moment, practically Mm -hmm. speaking, one small thing. Yeah. I think the first thing that they can do is have an open, honest dialogue with the, with the risk and compliance team or the function that they're working with today. I think so many times we come in with kind of perspectives, beliefs, assumptions of, of how a function or an organization or a person works. And a lot of that can often be solved by just having an open, transparent, honest conversation to say, Hey, what are some things you're struggling with? How, how can I make your role easier? What could I do differently? And by the way, would you be open to hearing where I have some ideas for how we could work better together or work differently than we do today? Starting with just that one small step to me is really the catalyst to making a whole lot of changes within an organization. But it all starts with being willing to be open, honest, and vulnerable up front and taking that first step to, to initiate that conversation. And that conversation practically shows that other person, you really care. You really care about Mm -hmm. them. And then together, we really care about helping others on our team. This has been a fantastic conversation today, Michelle. What's the best way for someone who is watching or listening? They want to continue the conversation that we started here. How can they reach out to you and say hello? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So my team overall, compliance at nimbus.com, it's group email that we follow. You can reach out to any of us within the organization if you're interested in learning about how we do compliance at Nimbus. For me personally, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm fairly active on there and and would love to connect and, and talk. Connect with Michelle, learn with Michelle, grow with Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, be the light.